if you have a Bible or if you just want to read along with me, I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2, something that was already read. But we have been, as a church, for the last four weeks anticipating this very moment because we've been in a sermon series called The King is Coming. And this is what Christmas is all about, is this acknowledgement that we look back into a moment in history, which we're about to read, where God sent his son to be the king of kings and lord of lords. And we look back so that we can look forward, knowing that we preach this message even now, that the king is on his way. And as we consider the culmination of the king is coming, we are going to take a moment to look at the history of it. And then we're going to look at the the way he came into the world as a model for how he comes even right now, that the spirit of God, is coming into our hearts and our minds, into this sanctuary as we sing his praise and invite him in. So in Luke chapter 2, again reading verse 8, it says, There were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you in this day the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The King came in a humble and unexpected way. And with messengers that, as the Lord sends messengers to invade this starry night, where you get the picture of these shepherds keeping watch, uh, they receive the message, which is one of the surprising threads throughout the Christmas story, in a moment of great fear, which is what we will talk about this afternoon, is that when God invades into the world, And even now, as he invades with this message into your life, it does not come as we expect. I actually am going to pick up this sermon exactly where I left off last year. And so some of you, this will just be a review. But we left off in this celebration actually with a story of an interruption, which is a perfect story for Christmas, as it comes as one great interruption. The story is actually takes place right where I'm standing now, as I was preaching. In fact, as I was just about ready to give the best part of the sermon, I'm sure. Uh, It was the moment where we were all about to light a candle. And some of you, I hope, were receiving the gospel for the first time. And I had in in my mind a, a picture of how to present the coming Christ in a way that we would receive him now. And as I am getting ready to do exactly what I had planned, I feel a tug on my leg coming from one of my children who had snuck up the middle aisle and crawled up unbeknownst to me, totally unplanned, and was just clinging to my leg. And I looked down, in a a way now we we kind of laugh and giggle, but I looked down in such horror and anger. (laughs) But, but I tried my very best to keep preaching and also find my wife in the audience so that I could give her that look like, I needed you, <laughs> and you failed me. She interpreted that look as an invitation to send more children. So, 
as I'm preaching with one child on my leg, I see another come and, and join my other leg. And the show went on. I, I, I preached. And for those of you who are in this moment, I'm so sorry that I didn't acknowledge the ball of joy just standing at my feet. We lit candles and then we celebrated and, and uh, I, I went home and it was an awkward dinner because I was so upset. I was so angry. I went to my wife and I said, what happened? How did they get away? And she said, I told them to go. <laughs> I felt now upset and betrayed. And then to make matters worse, the report was that totally against my plans and my ideas, for most of the feedback I got, the very best part for most people was when my kids were just hanging on my legs and I was preaching. So I went from annoyed to betrayed to frustrated that nothing I had planned went as it, as it did. And yet, everyone enjoyed it. We take ourselves incredibly too seriously sometimes, don't we? And we have a way of complicating the message of Christmas to try to fit it how we want it. And it took me a, a good hour to realize that I was the problem, not my kids. Not the ones who came with childlike faith to the foot of their father to light a candle on Christmas Eve. They weren't to blame. It was the person who missed all of the joy. And I share all of that with you now because we all walk down this road a lot of times on the holidays and a lot of times around Christmas where we have an idea of what we want. We have an idea of the, the people we want around us and the way we want things to unfold. And now for the children, I, like Rhett, will talk to you. We have an idea of what we want to receive. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news for the, the children among us. You guys are all excited about tomorrow. But some of you won't get what you wanted. I'm so sorry to say that. And, and some of you will get what you wanted, but it won't work. It will be, need to be returned, or the batteries will be broken. So, Merry Christmas, kids. <laughs> and these are all little moments that actually call us to the core of the, Christian, the Christmas message, which is it comes in a package at a time and in a way that we actually don't always want. We want it to be a tradition inside of a service that lasts an hour and that is cleaned up by the, the next day. And yet, in the way that this message invades the world in history and now and in the coming day, it will be a way that God has planned which is glorious, but if we're not careful because it doesn't come how we want it, we'll miss it altogether and the joy will be lost on us. So three things and then we light a candle. Three, three ways that in this children's story of a passage that we just read, there are actually three scandalous ways that Christmas could come to violate your desires. In fact, traditionally, the, the message that is received with great joy in the children's play actually takes years and years and the spirit moving to be received by the world. There are three ways that these angels come invading these shepherds' lives to surprise them with the message. The first is this. The king is coming, but he's coming to all. Look what it says. 
I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Now, you receive this in the tradition, and you think, of course he's coming to all. This is great news. Well, it was great news then, too, and yet it took years. It took the Spirit moving. It took hearts to be soft to realize that the King that was coming was not just for the nation of Israel. As we read this story unfold, you'll hear the whole context is for the nation of Israel. Later in the Gospel of Luke, Simeon will be waiting, and he says he's been waiting for the consolation of the coming one to Israel. He comes into Israel. He comes as the Messiah that the prophets of Israel were waiting for. And he comes into Israel, and he violates all of their expectations as to who he was for as he is caught very early on hanging out with tax collectors and sinners and those who would not be considered the religious prepared. Christmas does not come into a church service. Christmas does not come into a religious ceremony. It does not come under the guidance of a priest or a pastor. Christmas comes to the farthest region that it could find. To Homeless shepherds, the truck drivers of their day, in the middle of the night, and the shepherds are supposed to look for a sign of a baby laying in a manger. So for the Idaho people among us, it comes in a horse trough. The message was scandalous then, and the message is still scandalous because God's Spirit moves on His people. And he says that he comes for the whole world. And we sing joy to the whole world. And yet we sing from the safety of our tribe, don't we? We sing from the safety of our sanctuary, in our city, in our country, with our preferences for who the king comes for. Namely, ourselves, our family, and the people we like. And so if you're not careful, you miss it because the message is not for just you or your neighbor. The message is for the farthest person you can think of at the dinner table. The message is for the person that you're relieved when they couldn't come. The message is not just for the people you want to invite dinner. Jesus says that anybody can do that. It doesn't take God incarnate flesh to violate that. But Jesus says, I say to you, when you celebrate, when you rejoice, don't just invite the people you want. Invite your enemies. Love your enemies. The king comes teaching us not how to win the battle physically, but how to turn the other cheek, how to lay down our lives, how to have the same mind in us that was also in him when he humbled himself to the point of the cross. Yet while we were still sinners, Christ dies. The message goes beyond your politics. It goes beyond your denomination. It goes beyond the religion of your family. It goes beyond your comfort zone. And it goes into the whole world for anyone who has the humility to receive it. The message comes to all. And then, he comes to save Look what it goes on to say. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. Christmas is, in fact, 
a message of salvation. This is the beginning of the gospel where God invades human history, sending his son to be the visible image of the invisible God. Not simply to receive gifts, not simply to hear the hymns that would be written about this day, but he says of himself, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. So Christmas comes to confront you. Do you need a savior? Do you need someone to intervene in your life? Does our world need salvation? The Christmas message is scandalous in 2021. When you look out into the world that we live in and you see all of the man-made techniques for how we're going to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. We're going to do it through politics and we're going to do it through medicine and we're going to do it through economics and when the churches have the best marketing strategy and the, the schools have the best education, the world will be put to right. And the message doesn't come like that. The king does not come to show you who the Savior is. The king comes as the Savior. Which means that Christmas is a call to repentance. Christmas is a call to come once again to the throne room of God's grace and say, God, we cannot save ourselves. 2021 reminds us that this world will not save itself. And every single one of you, apart from the power of God intervening into your world, you cannot save yourself. For God so loved the world, he sent his son so that everyone who, anyone who would believe would not perish, but would have everlasting life. This is the message. Apart from God intervening in our world, we all perish. This is the great unifier. As you think about which tribe you look to, who's to blame in our great world? We all perish apart from Christ. And yet, because of God's great love, the message is for every single one of us. I lost no sleep last night thinking about who I could preach to in this moment. I hoped every single one of you would come and bring a friend because I have a message that no one's disqualified by. The message is this. You're a sinner saved by grace and it's a free gift. As free as the gift under the tree. Jesus said of his own life, he came to give his life a ransom. And now we come to the final truth that so often we, we miss, like a child sitting at the Father's feet. He comes to darkness. Now, when they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. A small little phrase, so symbolic of the time at which God chose to announce his message. It says in Galatians, in the perfect time God sent his son, and in the imperfect moment, the messengers opened up the reality of heaven. And that moment was right smack in the middle of the night. 
Why didn't he let the shepherds do their job and tell them in the morning? Because God came into the night. God comes into the darkness of the world. And it's a paradox because don't we all wish that Christmas was more like a Hallmark movie? They're perfectly lit, every one of them. That's the one constant. You watch a Hallmark movie and they always happen right around noon in the middle of the day. Everything's just hot cocoa and peppermint and the story always ends well. Sorry if you're in the middle of a Hallmark movie. It's going to work out great. (laughs) And don't we wish that was now? That we could celebrate Christmas in the perfect life condition? The family's perfectly united. All your shopping is done. The year's been a bumper crop and everything's great. And yet it's a paradox because when Christmas is most real is when the world is most dark. This Christmas is real for so many of you. Not in a 2,000 year review of history, but now. Because you know that light is required when you walk in darkness. And you pick, the, you pick the item on your list of why you are experiencing the darkness of a fallen world. Money's tight. Your body is failing. The family's divided. The country's divided. We're not quite sure what's around the corner. And yet, into the darkness, the light shines. In the middle of the night, the shepherds get the word. And it was in the middle of the night to paint the picture of the great symbol of all of Christmas, which is this. God himself is the light. It is not human philosophy that will enlighten our path. It is not the strategies of men. There is a God that in the very beginning of the story, if you just open the first page of the Bible, he says, let there be light. And there it was. The light is the symbol of the life that he offers all of us. The light is the picture of the truth that illuminates the wisdom by which the world was founded. And Christmas comes in the middle of the dark. And we who believe declare that the darkness does not win. We who believe look back in history and we see a people that walked in a great light, a country that was being surrounded in a time that did not look very hopeful, and we believe that the light invaded and the light overcame. And we look forward to a day as the horizon seems to be darkening, when the light invades our world again, And the scripture is fulfilled, which says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord because the light has illuminated and there is no doubt in any mind. And there's no wavering in any tongue because the light will outshine the sun. And we live in an in-between time now where even now the message is for you that the Spirit of God would shine the light of truth into your mind and into your heart. That your darkness, your trials, your tribulations, your difficulties will not win. John chapter one. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. 
I'm grateful for this, this worship service really is what it is because words can only really get so far. I don't think God intended for our hearts and our minds to be moved only by the words of a preacher. I think that's why he gives us these beautiful songs to take what goes beyond a sermon and puts it into a song. And I also appreciate that we're about to have a living picture right now of the God who invades the darkness. And so as we sing this final song, and as you yourself hold a light, you are declaring yourself an image bearer, that there is a God of light who is invading the darkness of our world, and he is making agents of light for anyone who believes. For anyone who believes that he loves the whole world, that he has come to save, that salvation has been won because he laid down his life to give us ours, and that the darkness will not overcome the light. So now we sing one final song as light bearers of the coming king.